Good morning. It is really nice to see people here. Early 20th century author Aldous Huxley, a guy that wrote, oddly enough, wrote a book called The Brave New World, said this, said, facts do not cease to exist because they're ignored. One of his contemporaries, a guy named George Orwell, the guy that wrote 1984, wrote Animal Farm, said, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. You know, I was telling Blake the other day, we were listening to something on TV or on the radio or something. I told him, I'm so tired of hearing commercials and ads that start with, in these difficult times or in these troubling times. But that's where we are. I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's where we are right now. So let me ask you this. In this time of monumental, it seemed, monumental turmoil. In this time of, a time when our foundational beliefs are being challenged. In, a, in, in this time when holding a biblical truth, a biblical value and calling it truth, is considered by some to be hateful. Yet in a time also when there are wrongs which need to be righted. In this time where we can see around us, in our culture, a, a cultural tsunami is brewing around us. Let me ask you this question. What is the church to do? What are we to do? How are we today to have an impact? How are we to point people to the importance of a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I believe that we begin by telling ourselves the truth. Another author, this guy, years before those other two, Dostoevsky, Dostoevsky the author of Crime and Punishment, and Brothers uh, Karamazov, said, Above all, don't lie to yourself. The man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him. We as the 21st century church in this wonderful year of 2020, we need to recognize some troubling truths. If this rings a bell at all for any of you, I preached a sermon in March of 2015 called Troubling Truths and Reassuring Realities. I told Dave Rich the other day, this is the sequel, if you will. And the reason is, you know, we might wish things were different. We might wish that individually we were different. We might wish that we had a different approach. We might wish that we had a different attitude. But we have to deal with the fact that we are right here where we are in this wonderful, miserable year of 2020. You know, it, it, it's, it's bizarre to me. I mean, it's not funny. It really isn't. But do you remember the earthquake? that we had here, that had this been a normal year, that would have been the biggest news event, I mean, probably for the year. And it's now, oh yeah, we had an earthquake. You know, I was waiting for, you know, the Loch Ness Monster to come out of my backyard. And I just went, oh yeah, Loch Ness Monster. It's 2020, of course. But you know, through all of this bizarre year, we've heard from this pulpit, we've heard anywhere you've listened, if you listen to anything religious, we've heard that God is still in control. 
We've heard that God is still sovereign, that God is still sitting on his, his throne. And those things are absolutely correct. So I think it's time that we look at some truths and begin to live like we believe that God is in control. So this morning I'm going to share some things that have really been on my heart and some things that are um, hard, some challenging truths. But then we'll close with some reassuring realities to which I believe we all can and must cling. So let's look at our first truth. Number one thing we have to deal with, and this is, this is stunning, news-breaking information right now. Things are tense, and we're in a country that is divided. That's the truth. It's the truth, but it's not new. It's, it, 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 it seems so much more in our face right now. because Maybe it's because we have the 24-hour news cycle, and we have our lovely friend social media. But it isn't new. You know, I, I hear everybody from, you know, from Glenn Beck to Don Lemon to, to Kanye West to Billie Eilish all saying the world's worse than it's ever been. If this party wins, the world's over. If this party wins, our nation collapses. It, that it's, it's the worst things have ever been. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But let's consider. You think back. Immigration. Race relations. Substance abuse. Evolution, gender politics, morality issues. These were all hot topic, current event issues in the 1920s. The wets battled the dries in the Prohibition era. Religious fundamentalists battled the religious progressives. In, in cities, there was a migration of all different ethnic groups to come to the cities because they were battling in the rural areas with the KKK. It was a time of profound social change. You move forward to the 60s. The 60s was the time of protests and movements. There was civil rights movement. There were the student movement, student protests, the anti-war, anti-Vietnam War protests. There were women's rights movements, gay rights movements. There were the environmental movements, environmental protests. It was, that's, that's what the 60s was, was a time of protest. But we can go back before both of those. We can go back to the first century. Go back to the time in the New Testament when the Jews looked at Gentiles. Gentiles would be everybody but Jews. The Jews looked at Gentiles as unclean. They looked with disdain at anyone who wasn't Jewish, that they were sinful, they were unclean. Now, granted, the Jews had traditions, they had customs given to them by God that they needed to uphold that did separate them from the other people. But that drew the ire of many of the Gentiles, specifically the Romans. The Romans had no love for the Jews. In fact, his ancient historian Tacitus wrote that the Jews hated everybody. But there was also a lot of misbelief, a, a lot of untruths being said about the Jews, including the fact that, or including this accusation that the Jews were cannibals because they talked about this new faith that they had found where they shared in the body of, and blood of Christos, their leader, which led another ancient historian, Josephus, to write in defense of the Jews. That's what Against Apion is about. It was a time of a great deal of tension. 
You know, it makes me think back to Richard's lesson a few weeks ago where he referenced 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, where the author there describes the men of Issachar as those who understood the times. Let's, let's be the same. Let's be people who understand the times that we're living in. Is, is the tension worse now? Maybe, I don't know. Is it, is it maybe more defined? Maybe, maybe it's better said, does it feel more defined because we do see it all the time? Maybe so. Over what are we divided in this country? The response to the coronavirus. Check. Race. Absolutely. How to deal with school openings. School choice. Yes, we're divided over those things. How to deal with the fires. Where do we fight over those? You name it, we can fight about it. So what are we to do? What are we as Christians to do? Okay, whatever you're doing, listen to this. You at home, you watching at home, stop, put your pencils down, whatever you're, listen to this. Christians, we must not add to this tension. We must not contribute to the strife that is in our country right now. I want us really today to focus on this passage that Brock read. Turn your Bibles, if you would, back to Philippians chapter 2. I want to focus primarily on verses 3 through 5, and then we'll end up focusing primarily on verse 3. But let's read those verses again. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility considered others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. This applies to so much of life. For just a moment, let's talk about social media. Before you post... Now, I'm not talking about sharing pictures of your grandkids or sharing pictures of what you had for lunch or whatever. My, my brother-in-law, Wayne, if you're watching, sorry, he posts every food he ever eats. But I'm talking about something that you know is going to be tense. Before you post, before you share someone else's post, I, I'll say before you even like something, before you tweet, before you retweet, consider others as more important than yourselves. We'll come back to this idea in just a few minutes. How about this? How do you feel about masks? Are you one of those people that when you walk in a store that plainly says on the sign, please wear a mask and people aren't wearing masks, do you want to jump all in their face? Or are you one of the persons that one of the people that cannot stand wearing masks and want to chew out everybody you see wearing a mask? Before you do either, in humility, Consider others as more important than yourselves. We must be those who rise above the truth of this conflict in our culture. We must be those who rise above the strife and the tension and the name calling and the finger pointing and the divide. And we have to let the light of Jesus shine. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. We are to be a light to the world, and that is the truth. Which leads to our second truth we need to deal with. 
We are to be, as individual Christians and as the church, we are to be a light to the world. And that is so hard right now because things are so weird. But let's be real. Here's the truth. March 8th isn't coming back anytime soon. You say, when the world's March 8th? March 8th was the last day we met here normally. Beautiful spring day. I don't remember if it was a beautiful spring day or not. I just had this picture. But we met on that day. We had 228 in Bible class. We had 327 in worship. Remember when we used to have chairs? We had people in all those chairs. We had 165 Sunday night. 119 the following Wednesday night. That may be another issue we need to talk about sometime, but we won't right now. And that's the truth. That's, that's what it was. But this is the truth right now. So this, this, is, this is what it is. Doing temperature checks. Wearing masks. Social distancing. Not hugging. I mean, can you imagine a body of the Lord's church where one of the rules is don't hug each other? I mean, that's, that's, some people freak out about that. But that's the truth. This is where we are right now. This is, this is what we have to do in order to be here. This is truth. Quarantine lessons. These distancing lessons. This is the truth. Richard's not here, so I use that picture. But this is for six months. How we've taught Bible classes. How we've done sermons. How we've done, how Jared's had to do teen Bible studies. How to do teen announcements. All these, this is in our backyards, in, in the auditorium, in the fellowship hall, in our living rooms, wherever. Having to figure out ways to communicate. Because it's the truth. This is where we are. These are, these are the stills that are on YouTube for all the world to see. <laughs> from having drive-in worship services that, like we had. That's the reality. That's the truth right now. It, it's the truth that we're having an outdoor worship service, not because it's fun and because it's a neat thing to do once a year, but because this is a chance that we can all be together. That's just the truth of how it is right now. And we have to realize that and we must re-engage as a body. We must do what we have to do to reconnect. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Number one, it means that we can't complain and we can't long for how it used to be. Because used to be is a long way. So I'm, I'm to, I'm, I believe that March 8th is another couple years in the distance. What I mean by that is getting back to that sort of way, we're, way we think about worship. I think that's a long ways away. So think about Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 again. Consider others as more important than yourselves. What that means is that we can't look back to those, that past and say, well, when things get back to normal, I'll come back to church. When, when I don't have to sit and wear a mask, when I don't have to do all that stuff, then, then, I'll come to, then, then I'll be involved in reaching out to my friends and neighbors. We have no idea when that's going to be. We have no idea what that's going to look like. So we cannot sit here and reminisce and long for the past. Because it isn't coming back. But that also means 
that we can't complain and boycott how it is right now. And listen, I know there are those of you out there listening, some of you probably sitting in here, who have strong reservations about being around people because of medical situations. I am not talking to you right now. But for those of you who can physically be here and can sit and wear a mask, consider others' needs as more important than yourself. I need to see you people. I, I, and I, and I, I have to hope that some of you need to see me too. That there's a need for us to be around each other. Larry commented in uh, my, my class Sunday night, last Sunday night. I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but he basically said, the spirit of God, the, the, the spirit of Christian fellowship is so much more palpable when we're together than we're di when we're distant. And that, that sounds, I mean, that sounds almost, you know, of course it is. But that is so true. Being together makes such a gigantic difference. If you have access to engage in our online services, again, consider others as more important than yourself. You know, through all of this, and it's been, I've seen it from my friends in the church all over the country, there's been a whole lot of I in all of this. I don't need those you know, that, that sort of Zoom Bible study thing. I don't need that. I don't have time for that. I don't like that. I don't think that's, I don't like that approach. I get it. Consider others as more important than yourself. It, and it's tough, man. I, I, believe me, I understand. I am not... I'm not encouraging people to come here and sit and wear a mask because I dig the masks. I am not a mask lover. I'll be straight with you. Those of you who know me personally know how I feel about a lot of these things. I'm not asking you to engage with our Zoom Bible classes because I'm teaching one or because I think it's so great. I am done with it. I mean, I'm so tired of it. But it's, it's a technology we can use. So consider others as more important than yourself. I'll tell you what. I, I've, ref, I've begun to refer to myself as a three-eighter. You know, you know the 9-12, that we need to have the mentality that we had on September 12th, 2001, not what we had on September 10th or 11th. I'm, I'm a three-eighter. I, I, I want to go back to March 8th. But it's not happening anytime soon. It's just not. So let's consider others as more important than ourselves. Listen, you know, I, I think of those first, second, third century Christians who history tells us in order to avoid persecution, worshiped in catacombs. Can you imagine some of the discussion around that? You want me to come worship where I have to be around dead people? I'm not doing that. You want me to come to worship down in a cave? I'm not doing that. But you know what? They did it because together matters together matters and that's why we hope you'll be here next sunday night 
for our Sunday evening outdoor service out here. Now, listen, I may get in trouble for, oh, I get, may be in trouble for a lot of this, but I may be in trouble for this. I, I hope we have 500 people. I don't know where we're going to get them, but I, I, hope we, I hope we have to split up in eight to 10 groups of 50 out here. And, and, and I, I understand we're going to have to be distant. We're going to have to be outside. It's gonna, it might be warm. Who knows what it'll be. And maybe wearing masks. Who cares? We'll be together. And, and listen, I am, th- this is, this is just, just my opinion. For me personally, in order to be here, I don't care if, if I had to wear a skirt, a Biden-Harris t-shirt, and a MAGA hat. I'm doing it. And I'm telling you, that's, that's just me. Maybe not the skirt, well, whatever. But I'm, t- I, because I need it. I need you people so badly. And again, I, I hope you need me. I hope you need each other that badly. So let's do what we have to do to be together as the body. Moving forward in the future. To do whatever that future looks like. Let's do whatever we have to do to make this church family the very best it can be. Right now and in the future. So the world's mess, being in the church right now is tough. So that leads to our third truth, which doesn't really get any better, sorry. Because the truth is, we as individual Christians are incredibly flawed people. We need to let the world know that we don't think we're perfect. We know we're not perfect. There's this huge misconception about people who are Christians that they think, well, all those people think they're perfect. I can't be around. Man, I know I'm not. I know I'm a mess. I know some of you pretty well, too. But we, that is the fundamental teaching of Christianity. We can't do this on our own. That's why we sing songs like Leaning on Jesus. That's why we sing songs about His name, that we know that that's where our strength is. We can't do this by ourselves. Listen, Romans 3.23 says, for the wages of sin, it, no, it, no, it doesn't. That's another verse. That's a good one too. Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That doesn't exempt Christians. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We serve a perfect God, but we're all sinners. But Romans 5.8, just a few verses down from, from that verse, Romans 5.8 changes the tone. Where Paul says, God demonstrates his love for us in what way? In in this, in that while we were still, while we live as sinners, what happened? Christ died for us as sinners. So that tells us that 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 incredible gift is perpetual. It covers us as sinners. What is that? That's grace. That's the amazing grace of God seen through Jesus Christ. What does that tell us? Tells us that we are given something we absolutely do not deserve from the creator of the universe, the sustainer of everything. Jehovah God above all others has offered this to us, has given grace to us. So we need to extend grace to others. I'm not perfect, and neither are you. Listen, we, we know the world's a mess, but when, we come to, when it comes to dealing with the world, when it comes to dealing with different generations, the generations above us, the generations below us, when it comes to dealing with our culture, 
We need to stay off the condemnation train. Yes, there's problems, but the way that those problems, the way we can impact those problems is letting the world know that there's a God who loves them and a Savior who died for them. When it comes to our dealing with each other, we need to extend grace to each other. Again, across generational lines, generations above, generations below. We need to show grace. We need to show love to each other. We need to consider others' needs more important than our own likes and dislikes. We need to consider how we can serve others. How can I encourage you? How can you encourage me? I know I'm not perfect. I know I need God's grace, and so do you. So I have to remind myself that I need to make sure I'm showing that grace, extending that grace to others in the world and to my brothers and sisters within the church. Okay, so this has been fun so far, huh? We've seen the mess the world is. We've seen that we as a church are struggling, scattered, struggling to get back to a unity that we long for to some degree. And that even us individually as Christians, that we fall all over ourselves when we, when we forget what God has done for us. So how about some reassuring realities as we close up here this morning? First, let me ask you again, in this time of turmoil, what do we do? How do we impact the world around us? How do we be that light that Jesus asks us to be to the world? So let's, let's, let's think of it like this instead. We are imperfect. We as the church are struggling to regain our footing. But in spite of all that, the world, in spite of what a mess it is, this world still needs Jesus. And where are they going to get it, if not from us? So let's close with these realities. Regarding, some, some realities regarding who we are and the God that we serve. First reality and there's zero excuses on this. We can all be a part of this. The reality is we need to be praying for our elected leaders of all kinds. You know, God knows who wins this election coming up. We might not know till about February. But God, know, God is not going to be surprised by the winner in this. Daniel 2.21 tells us that God sets up kings and, and brings down kingdom. God knows who wins this. And the, the, the reality is that come November 3rd or at some point thereafter, a new term will begin. And whoever is president is going to come into office and is going to make mistakes. And there will be people who look for every single mistake and want to put it all over their social media, want to talk about it every time they go anywhere. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with us debating the, the, the decisions, the choices that our elected leaders make. But they're humans. They're going to get bad advice. They're going to make bad choices. They're going to get bad information. That's just, that's just reality. But the reality is, too, that we need to pray for them. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the first couple of verses of that chapter. It says, first of all, then, I urge that petitions... Prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. 
for kings and all those who are in authority. Why is that, Paul? So that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. We need to be praying for our elected leaders. <clears throat> Paul writes that, in fact, when the leader is Nero, one of the, a guy who hates Christians, one of the, one of the most wicked leaders in, of Roman, in Roman history. But Paul doesn't say we have to like our leaders. He doesn't say we have to think it's fun to pray. He just says pray for them. Pray for them when they're right and when they're wrong. Pray for them when they make a good decision, when they make a bad decision. Pray for them when they're moral and when they're immoral. Just pray for them because that's what God asks us to do. Why do we do that? Well, number one, because God asks us to. Because that's, that's, that's what God likes. That's what the verse says. God wants this. But number two, it shows that we have com complete trust in God. It shows that we are willing to, to give ourselves over to his will, to put everything in his hand. The reality is our nation is divided and people are hurting. But it is also a reality that righteous prayer is the hope for this nation because it has the power of God behind it. So we pray for Republicans and Democrats. We pray for liberals and conservatives. We pray for those on either side of the aisle. We pray for right, we pray for wrong. We, we just take these petitions to God and we lay it all at his feet. We pray for our elected leaders so that they will govern fairly. We pray that they'll use wisdom. Pray for their salvation. Maybe that should have been first. But we pray that whatever, whatever they do, we pray that God will work his will through them for his glory. End of story. That's what we pray for. So we can all pray. Number two, reality. We have to dig a little deeper and start to look at ourselves a little bit. Number two, reality. Reality is we need to stay on the mission. You know, the gospel is not a complicated message. It's just a message that has to be shared. It isn't a message that people learn intuitively. or that It just comes into people's... It's a message that has to be taught. We need to stay on that mission. It doesn't matter the state of politics. It doesn't matter the state of culture. It really doesn't even matter the state of the church. Our mission and our message stays the same. How we, how we deal with each individual, we try and share them, that, that may change. How those individuals receive it, that may change. But our message, our mission always stays the same. Acts 2.38 always says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It always says that. That message doesn't change. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, that I've chosen to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified because that's all that matters. That is our mission. No matter what, no matter who is in office, no matter who passes what laws, God is still in charge and His will is for you and for me to do our job. And our job is to share the love and to share the sacrifice and to share the message that there is a God who had a son, who died for you, has a son, who died for you, and He wants a relationship with you. No matter what happens on November 3rd and following, the Linda Road Church of Christ will still be Pursuing this goal of reaching up and reaching out. Our worship, 
Our worship will still be focused on God. Our out, outreach will still be focused on impacting our community. Our teaching in this building, our discipleship in this building will still be focused on building strong Christians and encouraging people to be the best that they can be. Our, our mission, our, our, our service will, will be to reach out into our, into our community and to reach out to each other. That will not change. That's our mission. And it doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office. Listen, we, we, we need to be people who, who speak up on the moral issues of the day. We need to stand for the sanctity of human life. We need to stand for, for God's mandated regulations on marriage. We need to stand for taking care of the needy and the poor and the oppressed. We need to stand for those things that touch the heart of what Christianity is all about. But unless our first priority, unless our absolute goal is bringing people to Christ, we're only sharing half the gospel. We're only giving them half the message. We might be making their lives better, but we're not getting their souls right with God. The Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and preach. Go into all the world and make disciples. That doesn't change. That's never changed. It never will change. Telling people about Jesus is number one on our list. Now let me go back. Remember, here's th this point is the mission matters. The mission is number one. I'm going to share this quote with you. This is a, guy from a, a quote from a guy named Ed Stetzer, who is a denominational guy, but he is a student of church trends, church growth. His quote says, statistically, the unchurched lean heavily Democrat. So, and I know it's just me talking crazy now. If you want to reach the unchurched, maybe constant Facebook posts about how stupid Democrats are might be a bad idea. That's reality. That matters. Now listen, I know that's one-sided. I know that's not fair necessarily. But the principle applies. I don't care which side you're on. I don't care if you're a Trump hater or you're a, Bush or a Biden basher. Whatever, wherever you are, we cannot let our political stance get in the way of our mission. Because what matters? Jesus matters. Above everything for Christians, sharing the message of Christ matters more than gun control. It matters more than school choice. It matters more than masks. It matters more than black lives matter. It matters more than blue lives matter. It matters more than everything. This is what matters to us, is sharing the message of Jesus. And do not let... Whichever side you're on, do not do something that deters someone from knowing about Jesus. From knowing that there's a God who wants to be their father too. A first importance is letting the world know that God loves them and Jesus died for them. That's reality. So finally, in all of our struggles, all of our brokenness and this mess that we're in, final reality is that we've got to keep moving forward. We, we've got to keep pressing forward. 
Look real quick over Philippians chapter 3. See, the thing about life, the thing about us, we're either growing or we're shrinking, we're progressing or we're regressing, we're getting stronger or we're getting weaker. That's just reality. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, or beginning in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching toward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the price promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. What's that message to us? We've got to keep looking forward. We, we can't think about we want to be back like we used to be. We need to be the best we can be in the future. We need to keep moving forward. And how do we do that? Consider Paul's words. He says, number one, I don't consider myself to have taken hold. He says, I'm not perfect. That's our message. We're not perfect. And we need to share that message with the world that we understand that it's not about us being perfect. It's about the fact that we're washed in the blood of Jesus. And because I know I'm not perfect, because we should understand we're not perfect, we need, to, we need to extend the same grace that God has extended to us to those around us. And he says, number two, he says, forgetting what's behind. I don't like where, where we are right now. I don't like any of this. And I know you don't either. But it is what it is. So we need to deal with where we are right now. And then the last thing Paul says is we need to be reaching forward to what is ahead. Pursuing as my goal, Christ Jesus. We need to be moving forward. Forward is the direction of changed life. Forward is the direction of our future. Forward is the direction of heaven. That's the direction we have to be moving. We look to this beautiful future that God has ahead of us, whatever it is, and our mission doesn't change. You know, the best thing that we can do to impact the world around us is to live lives that reflect Jesus Christ. When, when, when it comes to politics and these cultural struggles we're dealing with, the answer to 10 million angry, obnoxious people on the left is not 10 million angry, obnoxious people on the right. That's, that's, that's not for us. Our mission, our objective, is to respond to hate with love. To respond to all this tension with the peace that Christ offers. Our job is to shine the light of Jesus Christ into the world. We don't have to agree with our government leaders. We don't have to agree with the people who don't agree with us. And yes, we need to, we need to stand our ground on, on moral issues. Where God has spoken, we have to stand our ground. But we do that best when we remember that even those people don't, that don't embrace our values are people that God loves, the people God wants in his family. The truth is the world is a mess. The truth is that being, being the church as we know it is tough right now. And the truth is that we sometimes find ourselves making bigger mistakes than we intend. But it's also a reality that God has a job for us to do. 
that our job is to be praying for the people around us. Our job is to be pointing people to Jesus. Let, letting the world around us know that there's a God who loves them. There's, that there's a God who wants a relationship even with people like me and people like you. That's our mission. So our challenge then is to change the world. Not by being louder than the next guy. But by sharing the love that Jesus has for us with other people. By being people who live the attitude of considering others as more important than ourselves. And that whoever those others are, God wants to have a relationship with them. God wants a relationship with you. If you're not in Christ this morning, we can do something about that. If you're watching at home, if, you, if, if there's an issue that, that you need dealt with, let us know. Text somebody or call or post on, on the comments that, in what you're watching right now. Let us know. Let us know how we can pray. If you're a Christian here this morning and you see yourself standing away, standing back, not, not, not re-engaging, let us pray with you for whatever you might need. Whatever you need, let us help as we stand together and while we sing.